Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with James Mitchell, who is a property investor, a developer, and he's done loads and loads of stuff in the industry. We're going to have such an interesting chat, James. I'm really happy to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, I am really, really pleased. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be really fun. Oh, fantastic. Well, listen, you've got had quite an illustrious career in property. So we're going to be talking about the highs, the lows, how you started, yeah. where you yeah. are now. Um, but to kick us off, James, do you want to just give us a bit of the backstory, you know, in terms of where life started for you and how you ended up becoming a property investor? Yeah, of course. So um, so I kind of like dabbled in property uh years ago with my dad's my architect which everyone will go like oh you got it easy um but it's that's incredibly helpful so i i basically um run my own businesses previously so um you know right from back when i was 16 17 i set up my first ever proper business that was doing 3d uh animations cad drafting and i just basically got myself out there worked with loads of architects and landscape architects learn how to present find business you know win projects deliver projects as far as cad drafting and 3d animation and i loved it burnt myself out massively quickly 17 year old basically just going out on with his mates with bags of cash and just spending it and haven't got a clue about money absolutely terrible idea doing that but was making good money burnt myself out um and then uh, basically went into some employment doing marketing sales and stuff because I felt like I would naturally lend myself well to that. Um, got bored of that really well, realised I'm very unemployable, really, um, as a sort of an entrepreneur, really. And then I uh, sort of stumbled into doing um, really my um, sales in construction. So what kind of happened is I um, worked with a couple of um, main contractors, being a business development manager, being employed, accidentally again, realised again, I'm totally unemployable really from this point of view, and then moved into a company doing uh, Momentum, which was um, basically lead generation in the construction industry, and um, did it completely differently, understood money a bit better, you know, knew what I wanted to do was grow my business, had my first staff, we had offices, but I, the ego got the better of me. I basically was very much like, oh, I need to have this and this needs to look really cool. We need to have sofas. We need to have these big plush offices. Wasn't really focused on actually making sure that the business was actually driving forward at the, at the pace that I was trying to set it up. So I ended up selling that business. So that was kind of like my first sale of a business to another um, person I, I used to work with and um, basically had some time out at that point to have William my firstborn and I had some quite a bit of time to understand like what I wanted to do and did I want to do property again did I want to go back into construction um so I mulled it over accidentally fell into another employment role you'd think I'd know by now not to go into <laughs> employment but I went into and worked with the SSE doing major installs for Anglian Water and Thames Water so 30 40 million pound contracts doing working with design teams loved it but the, again they were the the camel that broke the you know broke my back basically, which was um, I'm not suited for big corporate red tape. I was you know warnings left, right, and centre. You can't do this, you can't do that, and I was like, you're preventing business here. Um, so I had the great idea of saying I'm going to go on garden leave. I'm going to go to your I'm going to go to work for your competitor. Had no deal in the bag at all. I just wanted to get into property. Um, I went down progressive and I had three months garden leave to basically just, you know, get this working really. Um, and then that's why I was just stumbled onto progressive, Rob Moore, got myself, uh, started getting myself a bit educated and then accidentally jumped straight into a, a joint venture. 
um, doing, uh, we we're going to go and do HMOs. But uh, I think that I've learned now that I have a lot more value. I don't need to work with others to, to realise my own worth. And uh, so it was a bit of a false start, um, but quickly realised that that was wrong. And then that's where Dorton Properties, which is where I do now, which is my service accommodation, my uh, management business and the developing arm. And now working with Kelly, the, the interior design business, that's how it kind of it, it, it formed right from the beginning of where we are kind of now, really. Aww. So it's been a bit of a weird sort of journey, but it's kind of. I feel like all of those things I've done has made me, you know, like construction, the CAD, everything, working with my father, you know, those kind of things has kind of been everything that led up to being like making property work for me, really. Oh, fantastic. Listen, we're gonna this is this is brilliant, James, because I think what, you know, as you were talking, one of the few things that are standing out for me is that, you know, there is never one route to success and actually the twists and turns along the way is often where the magic is because that's where you yeah. learn and you grow etc but let me just take you back a little bit so you said you started your first business when you were 16 or 17 um, so very early um did you know you because that entrepreneurial you know that spirit within you was obviously there from an early age because you said you yeah. tried three times to be in a job, shall we say, which actually didn't suit you. But the entrepreneurial side of being a business owner, you know, you actually started down that route. Um, did you know you always had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit in you or was it something right, that you developed? Yeah, because yeah, before, even before I was like, when I was in school, I was the one that was kind of like buying sweets, selling sweets. Um, I was the car washer in this, like, you know, in business cards and and then bringing other people to wash the cards, you know, and me make a cut. You know, that was when I was like, oh, actually, I could get this work done and then someone else can do it. And, you know, cutting the grass, all of those, you know, really basic things like a very early stage. But also when I did my first work experience, it was with a, a company that did 3D animation, CAD design, websites and stuff. That was when I was about 11 or 12. My dad got it. Because um, my dad was very much into, you know, networking and business and stuff. And um, I loved it so much. I just came home. I was like reading, uh, as you know, I'm dyslexic. But when I find the right topic I want to get really excited about, I can read everything. Like I read the, um, the basically How to Teach Yourself CAD 2000 book. And basically the book's like this. It's, it's, <laughs> it's basically nearly 2000 pages. And for someone like the dyslexic, that's like you know like a heart attack but i read everything to learn how to build buildings so they then employed me back on weekends and summer jobs when i was like 12 and we did um so the, you know win more like the dark company so i did the 3d animation for their dartboard of like a dart being thrown and hitting the board and that was back in so that would have been something like um over about 20 24 years ago so that was when I was doing like graphic, graphic design and stuff and I, I just loved it and I was like but they were paying me a pound an hour <laughs> you know pound an hour and I just remember <laughs> just getting to the end of the summer and just like I've just earned you know I'll be better off washing the cars in the street you know but I've learned all of this and I just thought I can make better money of that and that's how I set my own business up a few years later once I've learned a bit more you know and I was charging 35 pounds an hour you know, when I was 16 doing CAD drafting and stuff, you know, when you realise that you can make more money on your own and you get to control the work, you know, and that's 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 where the entrepreneurial part of me came from, really, is that, you know, the realise what I actually realising my worth. Yeah, well, no, and it's so important. This actually, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a bit more detail around because you talked a little bit about ego and sort of maybe sometimes we feel we should be doing something because it's what people expect or whatever. But yeah. in reality, we've got to you know really be clear on on what's important to to each of us. And um, so we're gonna come back to that. But before I do, let let's let's talk about the dyslexia, uh, James, because you did um you mentioned it there, and I, obviously we've known each other for a while now, and I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because Chris, my other half, is also dyslexic, as you know. And I was listening yeah. to listening to Richard Branson uh, being interviewed by Stephen Bartlett on um on his podcast. And of course, okay, Richard yeah. 
Richard is probably the most famous dyslexic, isn't he, in terms of that's yeah. done very well in, in business. So let's yeah, yeah. talk, let's talk about that. So did you how did that sort of hold you back or how has it sort of propelled you forward? Because I guess there's always two sides to to um a, you know each coin, really. I'd say it kind of it's held me back, but also it's done both. It's done completely done both. So I went through school, knew I was dyslexic and had support. Um, but it kind of just completely fell down when I had my GCSEs, basically. So I'd get extra time. But when you are writing and reading 10 times slower than everybody else, getting an extra bloody hour means nothing, Mm. you know. And so I ended up needing to get a C in English to do media studies. So imagine at this point, I run my own media company, basically, doing 3D animation, graphic design. I'm already doing it yeah for private clients i already know this software that i'm about to go and do a bloody a level in and um so what happens is that i get a d can't do the course so so the second that you you can do the course once you've got a c so i thought well i'll retake english at college they decided to give me a reader writer laptop extra time basically i ticked every box at this point they were like you're not getting enough support Took the exam again and got a uh, I got an F. <laughs> Gone bloody backwards. <laughs> and then um, and then I took the third one. And I don't understand what happened, but clearly I didn't give a shit that day. And I got a U. Um, they actually ungraded the bloody thing. So <laughs> so at this point, I was just like, oh, I can't be asked with this. This is I'm I'm trying more and getting worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that works, but um, I went, so I was in college and I was doing photography and I loved it. My, uh, and again, same thing again, my, um, my actual practical work, my composition, my work, you know, it was getting fantastic feedback, but my, basically my writing up these notes, you know, they were struggling to read it. They were struggling mm-hmm. to understand what I'm saying. And basically my grades there were just phew, but they were saying like you've got great potential. We just don't understand. You just your written work's just terrible. Um, so that was when I was kind of really seeing you know everyone putting these kind of glass sort of ceilings on me. Mm. And I know it sounds a bit not a cliche, but it was more the fact as like I was seeing that this was potentially going to be a problem, like going into employment and other things. So I took the rash decision to just leave college completely not get my AS, which was like the year, the first year before going on. And then just went straight into running my own business at that point. And it really, um, like there was a, actually a bit from Richard Branson, which was like, he didn't really understand numbers. He's like, couldn't really, couldn't understand it. Um, and he didn't know the difference between profit, uh, you know, the, the actual gross and net profit. You know, he says, but you don't need to, just someone else can do that for you. And where was when I was running my business, it's like every email that went out, I asked my mum and dad to check it. You know, it was before Grammarly and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, and well, my sister, it was like everything that went out to then generate as my business. Like you just find a way. And it did hold me back because I didn't do the colleges stuff. But to be honest, that that gave me the ammunition to go forward in a different direction. So if they hadn't have blocked me at that time, I might be doing something completely different now. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had the determination to say, do you know what, just because I haven't got your bloody grade and I didn't perform at that level at that certain time didn't mean I can go and do something. Yeah. So it's held me back, but it's done it for the right reasons where now, you know, I'm doing um, multi-million pound deals that I'm very excited about doing. And um, I struggle at the same time reading stories to my children at bed at night sometimes. You know, they actually check me go oh no that's how you say it and I'm cool with that and they're fine with that it doesn't mean I'm you know I'm a worse dad because I can't read a you know bloody story mm. you know they know I'm trying and um I know that that's my not my strength you know and I talk to them as saying look daddy might not be very good at this but I'm bloody amazing at a lot of other things and I'm very proud to say that I am so that's that's kind of my thoughts on dyslexia is that it will hold you back at certain points but it can propel you and it will propel you in other ways to give you that determination to excite to kick on and to do the things you want to do 
Mm. Yeah, no, that, I love that perspective. And, and it's interesting because, you know, as I say, Chris is dyslexic, but the world was quite different when Chris was at school because he's a fair, <laughs> bit old, fair bit older than me. And it's oh, a it'd lot, be brutal back then, I imagine. Like my <laughs> uncle Fit, you know, he was told he was stupid. Yeah, you yeah. know, it was it was seen as, you know, you have something wrong with you and uh, you're not going to get very far because you've got mentally something wrong with you. I mean, it's got nothing. It's insane. But we've come a long way from those days, thank God. Mm, yeah definitely definitely I mean Chris was told oh don't worry son you're just you're just thick but you're really great at sport you know and he, and he went into football and all the rest of it but I think what what has changed and, and this is refreshing is that also for you personally you've got comfortable with it and you recognize yep. actually for what it is it is what it is but you know you've managed to hone in and, and almost make it a bit of a superpower really for you with all the things that you've done and you're very open about it you talk about it and and I think that's the absolute joy because, you know, for anyone listening to this, if you're struggling reading and writing, one, get checked because you may be dyslexic um, and yeah. then you can hopefully get some get some help or support, which is going to, you know, help you to a certain degree. But also don't let it hold you back. Let that mindset realise that you've got other skills, other talents. Um, yeah. And actually, that can often be the thing that is, you know, propels you forward like it has with you. So I, I really love that, James. And, you know, for, for any for anyone that's that's kind of maybe in that place themselves, struggling with it, not really understanding what's going on, any advice that you give? Um, it's, a, it's really about, um, I would definitely say, understanding where your other strengths are and then literally putting your passion into that. I find that um, the yeah it did help hold me back during night school. You know, I, you know, like earlier on, you know, I have to stay in at lunchtime to go and do extra reading and things like that. But it for someone saying in that situation, it's a case of like definitely not letting it hold you back. The thing is, is that in later life when you want to run your own business or do your own things, there is absolutely um your skill set like there's all these other skills that you can use and bring to the table that those other people don't have you know and i think that there isn't enough i think you just have to have that belief i think at the early stages you kind of like um particularly my mum and dad they were worried for me because they were very much like you know how is he going to get into these roles where these people you know he's struggling to get past the first hurdle mm. um but sometimes you have to make your own route and I think actually there's a lot more benefits from actually going down the, un the the employed running your own business route because you've not got someone telling you, you can't do this, you can't do that. You make the bloody rules. And I love it from like, you know, you know Simon and Lucy is like, you know, we make the rules like, you know, it's for us to decide where we go. And I would say my best advice would be take those routes, the ones that are you can make those rules you make up the rules you make those decisions and at the end of the day school is not everything literally everything I took in school like it is yes the reading and writing stuff is, is helps and supports me but it's not the end of the world it doesn't form you you can then go down and develop your own skills and you need to because the school and educational system that stuff at the early stage doesn't actually define you doesn't make a massive difference my personal. Yeah. and it was funny you said about Chris I was also sport for school at school for me was massive like I was you know not blowing my own trumpet but I was the captain of like tennis the hockey football the rugby the cricket because basically on that on that um on that field it you know educational side of things as far as reading writing made no part but my leadership my leadership skills was like right up there and even though I wasn't the biggest in rugby, I could still lead that whole team. And I loved it. And I think that from a dyslexic point of view is that lean when you're particularly in school, lean into sport because it actually allows you to completely function without those those difficulties that you have for like your spelling, writing or whatever. Um, you actually become you can really develop your skills there. Mm. And I think that's a really good thing for me. That really massively helped, actually. 
Yeah, and, and also a release of, of energy, isn't it? Pent up frustrations, maybe as well. You oh, know, yeah, when, definitely. When, you know, yeah, it allows definitely. it allows that release, doesn't it? And we'll we'll talk about mental well being in business in a in a minute, James. But I think what would be really quite nice is is just really to talk about the business today because you have got a really exciting business, and obviously you've had lots of experience and uh, you know over the years. But talk about what you've got today and and kind of what's happening in your property world right now. Yeah, so um, so right now we have a um, sort of serviced accommodation, so holiday let business. We only run our own units now. We we moved away from management, and we also have a uh, from Kelly bringing into the business the interior design business. So um, Kelly works with with me doing the interior design, uh, does an amazing job of it, and. Um, that plays really nicely within our team where I'm there to, to then deliver the business. So we now purchase, so our last project this year, we, we, we bought a, a guest house, we renovated that, turned it into a high-end holiday let. And um, uh, we'd just done the refinance last week. Yep. So now our business, which is like, <laughs> obviously, as you know, like that was, oh, um, it's just difficult times, um, which we prevailed, which is amazing. Um, um, but yeah, the focus of our business now is to buy guest houses, buy hotels, turn those into high end holiday lets, which kind of really fits our business model really well. And we're now doing buying units to to do sales because we want to build up some more cash in the business, be less reliant on banks, particularly with not going for 75 percent loan to value mortgages, something geared a lot lower, just creates a bit of like firmer foundations and some kind of safety nets so um that so it's not basically the, the, the service accommodation delivery buying doing high-end holiday lets um buying and and selling to build up some more cash flow and then the interior design uh home furnishings type business as well so it's, it's a nice yeah, quite happy with the like the little group structure we have now. It's good. No, it's brilliant. Like a symbiotic portfolio of businesses there, James, isn't it? Which is, you know, it's it's nice to see actually how it all those components have come together, you know, and, and I think yeah. you you and Kelly working together as a team. Um, you know, it's it's not always easy when you're, <laughs> you know, a, a part a partner in life and in business, let's say, because no. Chris and I have that. But how do you how do you, how do you and Kelly make it work? Obviously, you're doing different things in the business but yeah how, how do you manage to make it work so you don't drive each other crazy and kill each other well basically at the beginning um it it, it was a carnage um <laughs> uh basically um kelly couldn't stand me um because it was it was very much an ultimatum of like you can have a wife or you can have your dog's body um because at that time we hadn't systemized our business like the sa business we jumped straight into rent to rent and it was totally unorganized calls left right and center kelly get this kelly get that and i was obviously doing whatever i could but she saw that as definitely like i'm your dog's body and she was like i've had enough like i'm not working with you like that so that was that was short-lived um <laughs> sort of explosive shall we say um <laughs> blink of an eye and um and then years like came later so basically back into last year right at the beginning we we did three we bought uh, and refurbished three hmos last year and i was working six seven days a week knocking self-delivering this uh, first hmo and it was a nightmare because i was basically doing so much work i couldn't really work on like where the design was going to be and i just remember just mostly getting on the phone after being drained on like a saturday i was still working I said, I just need you to get me a bloody kitchen. Just get me a kitchen. And she was like, I don't know how to order a kitchen. I was like, I don't fucking care. Just get the fucking kitchen on site. <laughs> just do it. I don't care if it's pink, whatever. Just get it done. And then she she just took to it. She just went down Howden. She went and got the kitchen sorted out, organised. She did the design. She just said, like, I'll design the rest of it. And she just took to it really well. She loved doing it. And the reason why that dynamic now works for us is because she gets to be the other side of the coin. She gets to boss me back. So the design drives like the build. So now it's a case of she does, does the design, how it's going to look, feel and, and come together. And then I'm basically there to go and make that happen. 
and make that work and and work out the design the structure of the of the of the the property to incorporate that design and i love that side of things and i'm quite happy for her to then basically lead me in that case so now our dynamic is like it's completely flipped on its head so she drives the design which then drives me of where i need to go so maybe i just like being led i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but i just that's how that dynamic and i think that my advice for anyone else you know working in partnership with their you know with their life partner is it's a try try again because <laughs> i think it's worth it our relationship is mastered, massively enriched by working together and talking about property and design and stuff and i love it you know i get to spend a lot more time with her but the advice would be is like keep trying and also um you know work on those relationships as far as like who does what and how and also tackle those issues head on about if you know one feels you know from what i understand is that there's always one part of it kind of feels like they're being the dog's body and they're just being told what to do they don't have autonomy to kind of have those kind of ideas and thoughts to drive a business so mm-hmm. i think it's very much about making sure that you're clear on those roles but not saying they're set in stone allow those people the, the relationship to kind of shift and morph depending on people's strengths and to find a way because if you can it's fantastic and I, I wouldn't have it any other way now you know I'm so excited for the way that we can move forward as a business working together in the way that we do um so yeah it's been <laughs> it's been it's been a it's been a bit emotionally uh challenging but it's so rewarding from getting to this point now so yeah definitely good Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's nice to see you making making a good team. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Certainly when Chris and I started with our property journey, we were tripping each other up and we're quite <laughs> different. We're very different. Sometimes I think, bloody hell, have we stayed together all these years? <laughs> we, we are like yeah. chalk, chalk and cheese in so many ways. But I think that's really good advice, you know, focus on the things that you're each good at and really, you know, identify and agree some ground rules around who's doing what so that you don't you don't interfere in each other's each other's bits. Yeah. Oh, the interfering is sort of in chronic in there. <laughs> yeah, the absolute persistent like meddling, which needs to stop. Yeah. So um that's great. That's great advice, James. And you know, so like the deals that you're doing now, so the numbers are a lot bigger than, than when you started out, aren't they, in terms of the level of investment, yep. the level of risk, etc. So how have you had to kind of step up as a leader as a business person dealing with bigger risk bigger numbers bigger reward but everything being a little bit more probably scary than when you're first starting out where it's sort of you know you're you're testing the water a little bit you know these are bigger deals that you're doing now so what's the mindset what's the sort of skills and experience and knowledge that you've had to kind of bring to the the table with those bigger deals versus smaller deals so the I remember um, sat in the car, ready to walk in to meet my first landlord to do my first rent to rent, which is about you know one thousand two hundred pounds a month, and they wanted a six twelve month commitment, and I remember just going, oh my god, how am I going to do that? This is so much, you know, and it's 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 so funny how far you've come because you you know you're really thinking, Christ, like how was that going to you know, if I don't make the money, like where I'm going to find this money, I'm going to rent another house that I'm not going to live in. And you just, that at that time just felt like enormous. It felt like the whole world was just like, oh, I'm not sure what like, I'm going to do this. Where like now, you know, we just refinanced the beacon. You know, it's 1.5, 1.4 and a half million pounds worth of asset. Um, the, and we're doing, you know, 100,000 pound refurbs. You know, we've moved up to, you know, nearly £400,000 refurbs, you know, managing that ourselves. And the steps in between is I generally think that the walking before I started running was really essential. So when you do like a rent to rent, you're refurbing for like three or four thousand, you're spending five grand on stuff. And, you know, the cash flow is supposed to be like eight, 800 to a thousand pounds a month. So there is rationale behind like that spending and, and getting it back quite quickly. And then, you know, you make your first sort of main sort of purchase. I think the first one, obviously the one at Gladstone was, 
you know, kind of like a hundred and five thousand pounds, which was really cheap. Like it was completely a wreck. And then we then did a thirty-five thousand pound refurb. And I think taking those baby steps, and then the next one was like seventy-five thousand, and then the next one was like ninety-five thousand. Where yes, they're smaller compared to like the four hundred thousand pound refurb we did, but the the principles are still the same. There's just you know stripping off six walls, you know, back to brick to stripping off maybe seventy walls, you know, uh, and it it becomes more manageable. So for me, taking those steps is essential. I think I do see too many people going and jumping straight into the deep end, and. Um, yes, the learning is like, you know, it's absolutely like a rocket. Um, but the the scary risk of people that I've seen that actually don't manage to get through it is quite high. And I think that for me, taking those baby steps is essential to get there. And you don't, the thing is, is that property is forgiving, but it's a longer term journey. You don't need to go out there and deliver the the one deal that is going to keep you safe and the legacy from day one. It's not that type of business. Mm, yeah. So the best advice I can always give is, is basically start, take your baby steps. There's no need to throw yourself. Like, you know, we, we were going to take on another property. Early, like we would have complete completing about now, which was going to be about five times the size. It was 1,500 square meters. Uh, the last property we just finished off is is just under 400. So yeah. it's just, you know, we nearly went forward with that. And for me, I just felt that that was too much of a kind of a, it was more of a quantum leap into the next realm. And I think you don't need to keep jumping the and taking these quantum leaps steps up. You can just take those steps at a time and, and run your own race. I think the amount of times I looked out on social media and see people doing these amazingly big deals and everything and thinking, yeah, let's get going. We're obviously clearly not like getting ourselves out of the comfort zone. We need to do more. But actually, no, bollocks. I just need to run my own race and do things in the right way that I want to do it. And that's cool. And it's taken me a long time to work that out is that I'm here to live this life for me. I'm not here to live a life to make other people feel better and 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 try and match them so yeah i think uh, if that uh, sort of definitely well there's a bit of a bit, bit of a mic drop moment there james because you're absolutely spot on you know and and i think what you were saying you're here to live your life not someone else's and and i think that is very profound actually and yeah. very very wise and of course we're talking in the context of property but that applies whatever business you're in whatever job you're in whatever kind of you know part of your life you're in we only have one um so let's make sure you're living your best life um and and try not to get distracted by other people or the fear of comparison um you know because i think very often you're right the world on social media presents a version doesn't it of, of people's lives which often is not reflective of the reality anyway yeah and yeah. even if it is reflective of reality at a point of time, you would never know what that person has gone through to get to that point. You never know what the highs and the lows have been. So actually okay. just, you know, just focus on you. Keep, keep your own house in order was what my uh, what my mum and dad used to always say to me. Yeah. And I think, it's, you know, it's true. Oh, it's but- very true. Very, Absolutely. Very um, and, and I think, you know, your your point around um, baby steps and, you know, it's all about context, isn't it? Because when you did that first meeting with that landlord and you were thinking, oh, my God, this is massive. It was massive at that point of time because that's yeah, where you were. That's it. And, and as you get you've got more comfortable with taking those bigger risks and those bigger decisions now because everything that's gone before has led you to the point that you're at now. Things happen for a reason, don't they? I believe sometimes. Yeah, I really do. I really do. Mm. And and you know when you look back, James, at, at you know some of the 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 highs and the lows. Can you think about what's been your most euphoric moment in your sort of business life and and your kind of? Well, it could be property, it could be anything, but um, you know, you you think, oh God, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, that that's that's been a good day. A good day at the races today. Um. I think the proudest thing I've done today um, was definitely finishing off that last project. I think, don't get me wrong, 
I think surviving COVID as a business, um, I think it's one of the other proudest moments. I think um, the emotional attack on like what I should do, what I shouldn't do. I'm very proud of that, but I would definitely say getting into the next league of getting investors on board and delivering a project. Um, I'm very proud of like what we've done with the beacon. That was the first you know thing that Kelly and I had done properly together from scratch. Um, and it was all off our own backs, everything. Um, and it, it, it taught me so much about, um, about myself as well, because obviously, um, I, I, you know, but it, you know, I would drive up there at 3am in the morning, four hours, I would open up site, I would work 18, 20 hour days, I would live on site in the annex, in a put up bed, you know, crappy little bed with a little heater next to it. You know, the boiler always going on the blink in the bloody room, freezing cold, wake up, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock, go and deliver the whole day. Um, you know, and everyone gone home and putting the lights out in the, on the site and just, you know, smashing it through. And that mindset was very much do whatever it takes. Emotionally broke me many, many, many times, as you know, you know, mm. friends and people that have been there supporting me broke me ridiculous amount of times. But how I've come out of it is that, no, I'm not prepared to do whatever it takes. And I know that, you know, people go, like, hang on a minute, that's not, that's, not the emotion, uh, that's not the motivational quote that you're <laughs> supposed to be putting out there. But no, I've decided that, no, I'm not willing to sacrifice my family, you know, five days a week to go and deliver what I need to do, you know, what I think I need to go and deliver the legacy for my family. No, I'm not prepared to emotionally push myself to those extremes because of the damage it does to my health like I'm not prepared to to do these long hours to get that done I have I'm setting goals that I can't do that again and I feel like that project has got me into this situation of like yes I want to do well for myself I want to do well for my family and I've got goals but I am not willing to do whatever it takes at the at the cost of these other things in my life, which are more important. You know, I want to live longer. You know, if I keep doing this, I'm going to probably put myself in the ground. Yeah. And the, you know, you know, some people didn't even see me for four or five months, you know, friends, family, because I was just gone, you know, and I would say the, that that moment for me was when I've come out the end of this and I'm still here and I'm very proud of what I've done, but also the mindset that's shifted. I'm still that, you know, I'm still massively excited about the future. I'm still energetic. I've got all the power to go and do these things, but at not, at, not whatever it takes. And I think that that has been the sort of the light bulb moment and the excitement about how I can move forward because I can deliver, deliver all these amazing things at the pace and what is right for me and my family. And that, yeah, that, that's, that's the exciting bit that's kind of happened for me this year, for sure. I love that. You know, I mean, and again, just your honesty and openness, James, is, you know, you're in such a different place, I think, you know, in terms of one, the business and what you've achieved, but also you as a person, as a leader, you know, your yeah. you, the self-awareness that you've, you know, really kind of worked through and, and getting really comfortable in your own shoes through all yeah. of that pain. So you, you now make the rules and you say, yeah, you know, and actually the irony, I think, of all of this is that, you will most likely achieve more with less anyway. Um, and you'll do yeah. it in do it in a way yeah. that's smarter, that you know, leans on on you know bringing people in to support you, you know, because I think you come a point where in, in a business, and I see this a lot, where you become the blocker. You become the blocker for growth, either because you're pushing yourself to the absolute extreme physically, emotionally, and therefore something's gonna snap. Or you yep. become the blocker because you're not prepared to let go and you're, you're trying to be a control freak. And I think, you know, sometimes those hard lessons we, we learn through, through you know, the hard way um, of, of going through that. But I love that. That's such great advice 
really for people listening, you know, that yes, be ambitious, but you do have to stop every now and then and say, well, what's it all for if I'm not enjoying it? How much money yeah. do I really need? And and I'm yeah. always ambitious. I'll always push. I always want more. I'm, I'm naturally that person. But it is important to also go, yeah, but I have one life. There's no point me being the, the richest person in the bloody graveyard. That's not yeah. going to uh, yeah, help it's, anyone. It's that whole at what cost, at what cost. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. totally agree. Fantastic. Gosh, oh dear, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a mutual counselling session, James. I love this. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's great. Um, just coming back to sort of the, the business end of it, James, you, you, touched, you touched on investors. Um, and obviously, to do those bigger projects, you know, you need money. It doesn't have to yeah. be your own, but you do need money. Um, yeah. And that's quite a step change, I think, for people as well, isn't it? You know, what, how do you get investors? What's the best way to work with people? You know, again, if, if you've got other people's money that you're responsible for that probably feels different emotionally as well so could you just just take us through that journey um in terms of you raising finance the investors obviously not not disclosing any confidentialities but just some tips maybe for people and yeah of course you've gone about it because i think that's a big blocker for some people so it was a massive blocker for me at the beginning that's really one of the main reasons why i went down rent to rent because it was using my own money because i didn't believe i was worthy of someone thinking I could do what I could do mm. and it took me a long time to realize that I was massively worthy of investment at a much earlier stage because the whole fundamentals of would you look after the money would you do everything that you possibly in your power to make sure that money came back even if it went to shit basically and you know would you look after that money as if it was your own on the project and do you actually believe that you're going to take this money, do something with it and actually, you know, do as you said you're going to do? And it, it's kind of like, yes, all of that. So for me, at the early stage, I had all those blockers. And I would generally say if someone's at the, at the beginning saying, you know, I don't want to do that because I'm worried about you just need to just knock that on the head and just get going with starting to talk to people. For me, it was basically just getting myself out there. So loads of social media content sharing with friends and family like this is what I'm doing this is how I'm doing it and slowly building up a bit more sort of trust and then then like kind of coming into the same project and going actually I really need some money now like um where are you with this you know what can we go through and you've already done the no like and trust so mm-hmm. they know you they like what you're doing you're kind of putting a bit of you know you know putting a, a good face on uh, and then they start trusting you because you actually start showing results of like how you're delivering and delivering those projects. So um, we've we've brought on something about I think we're just over half a million pounds worth of investment that we're that we've worked on. We're working on with other investors. And I think the, the key there is not trying to overplay because I think I love to be a pleaser. I'm like you know, to get this person on board, like if I just jump straight to 20%, they're going to say yes. And the the plan is not to do that. Like you have to really kind of manage like your emotions is not get too excited. There will be others. It's like there will always be another deal. So I think at the beginning, I was very much wanting to be a, a pleaser. I'm like, I want to give this person loads of money. I don't want them to give any thoughts that they can go somewhere else. But you've got to realize that actually you're doing them a favor. Like, you know, you've, you're the person that they know, like, and trust. They could chuck that money to an IFA who basically will go and piss out the wall with stocks and whatever. And they don't really know them too much. And, and there's no accountability really too much there where um, you are very much worthy of that. And you're doing them a favor. Uh, and I started having that mentality of I'm doing them a favor. Um, and I think that really worked at the beginning. Now, as far as ongoing I think the best thing is actually, you know, I do videos. So I'll go and do a video around the site saying, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going about it. You know, this is where the money's spent. Like this, your money bought this door, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I think that that kind of builds up that that relationship between the two of you, because we've had situations where we've had to ask for, can we have longer? And um, that has happened. And we've been fine with, like, we talked them through saying, we can make this end on the date that we've agreed. That's fine but I would really like to see if we can extend that longer. And it's about through the communication, the regular um, like videos and sharing with them and then understanding where that exit's going to be 
um, is key. It's just the communication. You know, mm. it is absolutely about communicating. And as you'd know, that I've had investors that couldn't care less. Yeah, you'll send them stuff and you're like, like almost like a, you know, desperate partner in the relationship, <laughs> keen, pining for kind of like, tell me what you think. And just wanting, you know, wanting some feedback where some investors just couldn't care less about you. They just, they, well, they, they do care, but they're busy. They don't always necessarily need to respond to every video. They probably watch them all, you know, in their own time and don't have time to, to come back. So I definitely learned that, You've got to try and understand your investors, like what what are they into, how busy they are, you know, sending this information on a regular. It's better to do that than when they come back to you six months later saying, so I haven't heard from you. And I obviously, have, you know, I've been busy. You know, where are things? I don't know where we are. I feel a bit panicky. And that's where my, one of them was a bit like that. But I was like, oh, these are all the videos I've been sending you. And they're like, oh, OK, OK, I'll go and watch those and catch up. And then that relationship happens um, and and forms stronger because of that regular touch bases. So um, that has been quite an exciting journey to kind of go from like nothing to then obviously half a million. Got plans this year to try and get another half million pounds on board so we can run sort of two to three projects at a time. Um, But I think we've kind of nailed it where we're now starting to pay people back and that that we can share that with other new investors and say, you know, we've we've borrowed this much money, we've paid this money back, and it, you you the compelling reason to invest with me becomes stronger. Yeah, and and it's a big mindset shift, isn't it? Like you say, knowing re- realizing your own worth that you are providing an opportunity for someone to earn good money, and to, it's an investment that they get they get a great return for hands off, but also to to be able to deal with the manage the expectations in a way that. It is calm and that yeah. it shows that you're in control even when things go wrong because hey listen loads goes wrong in property oh, yeah. isn't it but <laughs> I think your communication and actually being comfortable and assured enough in your own self to be able to have what could be slightly difficult conversations uh, yeah. in the right way and that's that's a maturity that comes with experience doesn't it and, um, yeah. and that's obviously a journey you've been on James which is great to see um so so James things go wrong in property as we've just said <laughs> what, what are some of the howlers what are some of the things that for people to watch out for because you know I think it's all well and good isn't it you know sitting there with a multi-million pound portfolio which you are which I am but it isn't easy it doesn't just no. happen and I think you've clearly demonstrated that but um sometimes people go oh, it's all right for you isn't it all right for you yeah. with, your, with your cushy portfolio and you go well actually you know the journey the road here was quite rocky so can you just talk about some of the watch out some of the howlers things things that can go wrong um which you can't always control but I think if you're aware of that then you're probably more prepared for it when it does happen yeah definitely so um I think one of the one of the bigger ones um, is definitely about the refinancing. Um, so I think uh, James Muse, you know, has given me this way of doing it. And I felt like I should have known this earlier. Um, Cause I remember at the time he was like, why didn't you do it like that? It sounds like stupid the way you do it. And I was like, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> which was, was basically is um, getting the valuer in at a much earlier stage to understand where that end valuation is going to come out because you can do all the all of the um working out at the beginning you like but sometimes down the line it is really a little bit more pop luck you can't really be accurate with it too much yeah. and you you get that other valuer in um that you know and you un- they know that they say for example they know holiday lets and then when you come to then refinance and they have to use their own valuer from their own like vast panel or appraisers uk panel and you have no control over those people you're basically bringing them to site and you're passing that valuation to them with someone who actually like for in our case understood serviced accommodation it's not just another bricks and mortar house you know this is um a business that generates fun uh, money and the quality that goes behind running those kind of businesses um and you hand them that valuation to kind of influence that person that's kind of not necessarily understands that kind of business and I think that if I'd done that before my pain would be different Mm. um I would have gone through a different journey so I said that was a massive lesson learned over the valuation um 
I think as a property investor for dealing with projects is that I'm very much get the keys, right, let's get on site, let's get cracking, let's rip that out, let's rip this out, you know, full blown, you know, we cannot waste a day here, not even a second, get in there, start knocking this place about. And actually what I've learned is it's about going slow to go fast. So we get stuck in and then we then, you know, we get the right, think at the time, the right contractors, and we, we went with smaller contractors, which um, couldn't really cope with bigger projects. And what I learned massively was you go in, you go and get the property stripped out, and then you bring in a slightly larger company, someone that you are not a big fish in their pond. You were bringing someone in that's got the right team to deliver this project, and it's going to cost you a bit more, but they then can see all the project. They see the bones and they know how they're going to deliver it. And they might not be able to start for three or four months, but they are going to deliver it in the timescale you need. And it, you don't need to see progress from day one, where my thoughts at the beginning was like, we need to get them in like tomorrow. Like they need to get started. You know, that's wasted time. But the thing is, is they then drip feed, drip feed, drip feed, drip feed all the way through the project. And actually, you're then correcting issues that they've got and the, this, the, the, the team isn't good enough to deliver the, time, the project in time. So the massive lesson was get the right team in to do the job. It's not about always running at 100 miles an hour. It's about having the right person in the right seat. And it might not happen from day one, but it's worth taking your time to get the right person in the seat. That cost me a lot of money this year from day rate, from throwing people off the job, getting new people on board, then them not being happy to do day, um, fixed price. And then you then go down the day rate route, which is stressful as a site manager, as a client, because you see them, you know, taking an hour and a half for lunch, pissing about at like 8.15, getting a coffee, and you're just like, oh, getting really frustrated. And you, they make a mistake. and you've got no, you know, you're the one who has to then pay them to fix it because mm. it, it just, it just works that like that with day rate. You can't always get that. And if they then disappear, you've got to get someone else to bring them in to, to, to actually do it. Where if it's a bigger company, you know, they're doing proper contracted um, uh, variations. And if they do something wrong, they're going to be correcting it. So yeah. massive learning from that point of view. And then also understanding my exit. So finance is I did not, go to lenders that were going to be working with me or wanting to do an exit with at the beginning. I waited right till sort of April before we started engaging them, thinking that was a plenty of time. And then, you know, those products weren't suitable. We had a separate dwelling on the site, so they were only going to fund the main house. I didn't understand. I just thought, well, I'm going to refer this house and they're going to all going to put two houses together and give me, you know, give them combined. But no, the lenders weren't interested in that. So when you get purchased the property, try and understand, go and speak to your broker about how are we going to exit this deal? Like understand the routes that you need to take and to match those criteria for the lenders because how in my case, I got to the end and realised that I didn't actually match the criteria. I had to make some changes. So that you can get yourself into hot water. So understand your exits big time. I think James has really... You know, he's really schooled me over that over the last six months. It was like, can't believe you didn't know this. And I was like, I didn't know. But now I know I'm not going into any deals unless I know exactly what lenders are interested in working with me, how that's going to work. You know, does my project fit what their needs are, then move forward. So those are my three, like, you know, stuff that's caused me the probably the most pain this year that I'd like to say, hopefully. I've taken that on board and I'm taking that forwards with my next deals and stuff. Yeah, brilliant advice there, James, 100%. And, you know, whether you're in property or any business, actually those principles still hold good, you know, um, And but in particular with property. I like the whole idea about, you know, I often say start with the end in mind and work backwards. You know, if, yeah. you're, bit, you know, if you're, I do a lot of mergers and acquisitions, as you know, and, you know, if, if, if someone's preparing a business, you know, wanting to scale their business, I'll, I'll say, well, what's, what's the end game here? You know, is this a lifestyle business? Is it that you want to, you know, you want to hand it over to your kids? 
is it that you want to exit? Do you want to sell? Do you want to stay on? Because how you actually build your business will will be different if you know what, what the end result that you're aiming to achieve. And I think you're absolutely spot on having more clarity and giving yourself, taking the pressure off yourself up front um, and, and actually, you know, less is more sometimes. Taking a step, yeah. a step back to calmly think, plan the whole thing. You know, that is not time wasted. That is time well spent. That is smart. Um, yeah. But it might not feel like it at the beginning when you're all no. keen, keen and eager, and you know. Yeah. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant takeouts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And listen, James, you've lost your hair through this process, haven't you? Because you I have, yeah. <laughs> first cut, first, first cut of the year. So for anyone listening to this rather than watching it on uh, on YouTube or on social media, James had very long locks, Goldilocks before, um, and he's <laughs> is, is actually cut his hair. But, you know, it's um, you still have got plenty of hair. <laughs> Just short. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you've been rebranded, James. You've been rebranded. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> getting people, people comment more on my hair than they do on my bloody content. <laughs> I'm like, oh, your looks great. I was like, yeah, did you watch the video? Oh, no, I was too busy looking at your hair because I'm just too busy seeing it down to your shoulders. Oh, like, yeah, great, I, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love it. The power of social media. Um, and, and actually, James, on that, you've been doing um, a lot more on social media, haven't you, over the last sort of few weeks and months in particular. Why, why is that? Um, it's basically your Chris gave me a good talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, basically i i would genuinely say i'm like well firstly loving getting myself back out there i feel like i'm back you know i'm feeling like i'm there i'm there that i can provide great opportunity and great value to people and that i'm enjoying doing that and i i cut myself off very much quickly after covid happened so I was very much getting myself out there. I used to do my systems and automation course and I was, you know, prolific online, you know, getting content, giving value, loving that. And COVID happened and we, you know, our business took a massive kicking. You know, we also tried to get ourselves out there with social media and, you know, COVID, it just, this, this horrible mentality came up from the general public of like people trying to profiteer. You know, we had properties empty and we were offering them like, less than what we were paying on the rent to say we just need to we've got cleaners to to support we've got staff to support we just need money and the hate that came in mm. phone calls emails you know comments from the general public other people basically saying we're profiteering and, and you know i had staff leave because of the abuse that we would get you know because we weren't giving it away for free you know and then now we all transpires that all these you know things that have come out of it you know that really affected me and i just basically said no turn it all off turn it all off let's just we'll find a different way we won't do it this way because i don't want to lose any more staff i also am not enjoying being out there because of i mean obviously i wasn't promoting myself it was more like survival mode of my business sure. yeah. and that really hurt like it really hurt how the general public basically turned on everybody from people trying to survive and feed their families you know and you know they just couldn't see that so I, yeah. I basically shut myself off big time and then really through our mastermind that we that, you know we're on has kind of built me up block by block you know I would say you know I'm such a different person I'm, I'm, I'm more my, me as I am now than I ever have been because um, I have got a lot of value to give, you know, and I enjoy doing that. And where I am now is I've kind of gone, do you know what? If someone wants to come and say you're, what you're doing is shit, I'm actually going to listen to that and go, yeah, talk to me, tell me, you know, where, where, does that, where's, where is that shit? And, um, but actually, I'm not caring about that side. I'm like, I'm so enjoying giving value, getting myself back out there. You know, the whole plan of that is to, bring more investors on of the whole no like and trust and also put myself out there for my systems and automation in in airbnbs uh, there's a lot of owners out there that i can really help and support and i've already started doing that and i'm really enjoying it um so that's and particularly with the with you know chris going do you know what james you've got so much value i've enjoyed the help you've given us 
you are doing a disservice. You need to get yourself out there. You need to start supporting other people that need this help. And, and also, um, you know, get yourself out. If you want to hit these goals of investors, you know, you're not going to do it, you know, basically in a closed room, you know, you need to get yourself back out there. And I think it was really was like, you know, someone just says that kind of believe in me. It's like, right, get myself out there. Let's go start doing this. And um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a very emotional journey of like how I've got to where I am now. But I think that I needed to go through that because now I'm kind of like, I've got the right coping mechanism to, to get myself through that. And also how that, um, you know, those people that are saying those things, it's actually through fear and, and not understanding and sometimes jealousy where those things don't serve me. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, if you're going to take advice from someone to say about buying a car, that someone who's never bought a car before, like what value have they got to, you know, you've, you've got to, you know, kind of believe in yourself a bit more. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. You know what? And, and it, you are, you're in such a different place now. I mean, it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it, for you in so many ways, both in terms of scaling up and what you've achieved with the business and you and Kelly as a team and, and you as a person, you as a leader. You know, it's absolutely brilliant to see. It genuinely is. And, you know, feel so, so proud of you, James, really. It's, um, it's really no, incredible you. it's what you're doing. It's not come from you. Thank oh, you. No, it's honestly, you're doing, you're absolutely smashing it. So where can people find you, James? Because obviously you, you have got some such a valuable content to share with people and help people. Where, where's the best place for people to find you? So I have done it as I am Dorton. So Dorton is my business. So basically on all of LinkedIn, um, Instagram, TikTok as well now. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Um, Facebook, um, all of them is literally... I am Dorton, all of those. So you can get me on all. I'm, I'm basically pushing myself on, on, on Instagram and mainly Facebook and TikTok. So um, you can grab me on any one of those. Yeah. Oh, on YouTube, actually. I did my YouTube as well. So I've actually started getting some actual content that I used to put out years ago. I'm now putting out now. So YouTube, you can get me at I am Dorton as well. Fantastic. I love it. And um, and on LinkedIn, your professional um, profile there is you as an individual as well, isn't it, James? As James yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. So people can yeah. also find you there. That's great. And so when you look back, James, because I could chat to you for hours, I'm about to do a follow up um, podcast episode another time. But when you look back, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've been given over the years or a really good piece of advice that sort of stayed with you? Um. It's definitely about taking action. Like, um, uh, no, actually, no, not taking action. Just like, I think, you know, what we talked about at the beginning was, you know, the winding path mm. is that there was an amazing guy called Marcus Solovsky and he did his talk on about, you're, you don't know that you're best, what you're best at until you've done everything. And that quote has really stayed with me where um, I'm so much happier to try new things because of where they might lead and if they work out then great if they don't they don't and this is where like particularly with dyslexia and like where your grades are at the beginning is Mm. you don't know what you're best at until you've tried everything and too many people are are worried about trying something new and failing at it and I think for me I've done loads of things and I've failed at loads of things but I've also been successful of those things and used those skill sets and those strengths to then do other things that now I really, really enjoy. So I would definitely say you don't know what you're best at until you've tried everything. And it is totally cool to make those failures. And then because they're not, they're just learning opportunities that can form your next opportunity. So yeah. for me, that is, you know, I remember listening to that and just being wow you know this uh, it's okay for me to go and try loads of things because you know this like now I could find something amazing to do in four or five years time but because of the property journey that I'm doing is going to make that that next step available to me so yeah that that would be mine Brilliant. I love it. I love it. That's great. And you're absolutely living and breathing it for sure. So, um, yeah, it's not just you're not just paying lip service to it that, um, at yeah. all. Yeah, which is yeah. great. And can you think of any bad advice you've ever had, James, maybe or advice that sort of you took and you thought, oh, bloody hell, I wish I'd not. 
<laughs> I wish I'd not done that. That didn't work out too well. <laughs> I'm going to struggle to find one. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, many. <laughs> so many I can think of. Um, <laughs> things that I think are bad, bad decisions. Um, uh, basically, um, I think delivering, like, now I'm going to be moving on to, like, not doing quite so much self-delivery now my um maybe yeah i'd probably say um at the beginning it was kind of like don't set your business up really um with loads and loads of money do it on a shoestring you know don't pay for a website don't do this don't do that i think the one of my um downfalls of my businesses in the past has definitely been underfunding at the beginning um and i was always told you know i know i might watch this back but my parents basically was like don't go and spend loads on your setup you don't need to you can do this for free and do that for free and yes you can but if you want to go far you need to have the right funding you cannot just do everything on a shoestring you need to have the right funding to go and get it stuck in and i think particularly with like my Dorton short stay business when we started, I had the right funding to go and market it, to push it out there, to get a good account on board, you know, not try and take on everything myself, you know, be the leader, you know, working on my business, not in my business. So I definitely say the best advice is don't underfund your business to get started because it will, it will stump your growth big time. Mm -hmm. And um, loads of business I've done on a shoestring and, you know, it's it's it, the, the growth is so slow to get to get to really kick on. It's only when you get some funds in, you actually really go like, yeah, I can kick on. Yeah, so yeah. It, yeah, it, definitely focusing on making sure the business, if you're starting out or a new venture, having the right funding, you know, don't underfund yourself. Really go for it because, you know, that's what's going to get you the really great growth. But, yeah, that's a really interesting but, perspective. Yeah, I like that. Actually. But my mum and dad were always like, you know, the, I, I would generally say that was the bad advice, which was like they were like, don't need to do that. And those of other people said, oh, I don't need to do that. But I think that's genuinely, I would say that was that was bad advice. And I think that actually making sure you've got the right funding to go forward is definitely a good way. Yeah, no, that's that's a really great perspective, actually. And and you and you you're right, because sometimes you can make false economies, can't you? And actually it's choosing the right things to to where where you're gonna place your bets and put them into the things that are gonna give you the biggest bang for your buck for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, listen, this podcast, James, as you know, is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Um, so when you hear that either as a phrase or sort of separate words, what does it mean to you? Oh, um, so I think the the boldness is about actually getting yourself out there and being bold to be uh, who you really are. I think um, the brilliance... Um, is oh sorry the bot is brave isn't it so the brave i would definitely so for me like the brave is about actually taking action getting stuck in um uh with you know new opportunities and stuff and the the brilliance is, is actually um yeah believe believing believing in yourself that you can you can do amazing things and from what i've learned this year which is like you know i'm not prepared to do whatever it takes you know being and, and being brave enough to to know that of where your limits are and you can still achieve amazing things because of it yeah fantastic oh james you know what this has been such a pleasure i really enjoyed our conversation yeah i i really have you've made me feel very welcome so thank you for that oh you are welcome well, welcome so i can't wait to see what the next phase of the journey is going to be james so we'll definitely have you back on another time yeah me too is <laughs> next year's going to be an exciting one Oh, definitely <laughs> <laughs> good stuff I really hope you've enjoyed Brave Bold Brilliant don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends and if you've enjoyed listening I'd love it if you'd leave me a five star review